had a breakthrough race in Boston and training for New York has been every bit as good as the training for Boston and, and even better in some aspects. So what I'd really like to do is, I think it would be successful if I validated that performance in Boston and say, yes, this is where I am and, and I belong, you know, I ran 20 miles with the, with the leaders in Boston and, and that was the first time running with the international leaders in a marathon that long. And so I, I want to validate that Boston performance. That's Jared Ward. And this is episode 85 of the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm your host, Mario Fraioli, and I'm excited to share a special episode of the podcast that was recorded live last Friday before the TCS New York City Marathon with Kenyan Mary Googie, who went on to finish 10th in the women's race, and Jared Ward, who is the top American male finisher in sixth place. This episode is brought to you by the New York Roadrunners Run Center, where this podcast was recorded in front of a live audience. The Run Center is home to an inclusive running community based in New York City. It's comprised of people with all different fitness levels and running paces. It brings together people from all walks of life in an engaging and supportive environment committed to personal growth. I got to check it out before the show, and it's an awesome space to take advantage of if you're a runner in New York City, or even if you're just a runner who's passing through New York City. The Run Center offers a variety of group runs, fitness classes, education panels, entertainment events such as this one, and a lot more, all to help further the NYR's mission to help and inspire people through running. Check it out today at nyrr.org slash runcenter. My thanks to the New York Roadrunners Run Center for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Mary Googie and Jared Ward. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Is everybody ready for the 2019 TCS New York City Marathon? We got a few marathoners here. Yeah. Yes. These folks up here, I think, are ready, too, and they're going to tell you all about it. First off, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us uh, today. My name is John Phillips. I'm the director of runner programming here at New York Roadrunners. Uh, I know there's a lot of things to do in this city, so I appreciate you guys spending an hour with us. Um, I'm not going to talk. You guys don't want to hear me talk, uh, but let's get it up to here. I'm going to introduce, uh, he is a editor, runner, coach, and most importantly, podcast. Did I miss any, Mario? I think you got it all. I got them all. Okay. He is, most importantly, the host of the Morning Shakeout, Mr. Mario Frioli. Mario, take it away. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you all so much for attending. I'm Mario Frioli. I host the Morning Shakeout podcast. If you're not tuned into it, you should. Uh, I'm biased, but I think it's a good podcast about running. I got coaches. It is good. Thanks, John. I've got coaches, athletes, um, behind-the-scenes personalities in the sport of running on my show every week. This is going to be a little different. We've got two guests on at the same time. I've got Mary Googie next to me, uh, and then Jared Ward here at the end of the row. Start with Mary. Mary's going to run her second marathon on Sunday at TCS New York City Marathon. She debuted in Boston earlier this year. She finished seventh in 228. Uh, really impressive debut. Jared also ran Boston this year. He ran 209.25. Uh, he was the second American finisher there, but eighth overall, I believe, um, right behind Scott Fobble. Really breakout performance for Jared. Jared was also sixth here last year, so he's returning to New York City Marathon. 
Mary has really made her mark in the half. She's run the fastest half on U.S. soil. She ran 66 and change quite a few years ago at this point. I think it was three years ago, 16? So, 2016. Yeah, in Houston. And then earlier this year, she ran in New York, and she finished second at the United Airlines New York City Half Marathon. So this city has been good to both of these athletes. We hope it's good to both of them on Sunday. But let's just get started with where we are right now. It's Friday, early afternoon. We've got like a day and a half until the race starts. I'd love to know what things look like for you between now and Sunday morning. We can start with Mary. Well, from here, I don't have much going on. I'm more focused on relaxing and resting, waiting for my race, but I have to do like um, an anti-doping um, meeting. There's an, a meeting for the anti-doping. So for now, it's just massage, relax, and wait for the race, maybe. A retro stroll out New York. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Jared? I'm uh, hopeful to catch a nap really soon. Um, you know, it's it's kind of been go uh, through today. I was uh, with uh, MSNBC a little bit this morning, and I have, I'm going over to the expo as soon as this is over for for a, a kind of a joint sponsorship thing with with Honey Stinger and Articon and and Saucony, um, doing something at the Jackrabbit booth. And um, but then it's uh, but yeah, it's you know, it kind of becomes a game of, I think for everybody coming to New York you, for a race, um, you kind of want to do some things in New York too. And, uh, and, and New York Roadrunners has some stuff for us to do. And, uh, and so it becomes a get everything done that you have to do and get, get some of the things done that you want to do, but then stay off your feet as much as you can. And I think that becomes the game for me is, you know, we have, you know, six things on the schedule today, but it's uh, get to one place and sit down as soon as I can. And uh, if I can squeeze, you know, an hour in my room in the hotel in between a couple of things, then go lay on my bed for a little bit and um, try to stay off my feet. One of the most panicked questions that I get as a coach from my own athletes and some other athletes who just want to pick my brain for advice is what to do in the three days before the race. Obviously, there's no fitness to gain at that point, but what will you guys do for a little run tomorrow, what did you do this morning? I'd love to get some insight into that from both of you. Yeah, we don't like, this is not like training, like usual training. We train when training for a marathon. This is just to keep your body going. So like today I just did 40 minutes. That's a 10K. Tomorrow I'm hoping maybe just another 40 minutes. Yeah, just to keep my body fit, yeah. Just a little 40 minute 10K casual, two days out from New York City Marathon. How about you, Jared? It's very similar. I did a 10K-ish this morning and, uh, and a few strides at marathon pace and then a little faster just to make sure legs are feeling okay. They do, they do take care of us. They're, they're fantastic massage therapists and chiropractors in the hotel. And, um, and so I want to get um, just enough uh, on my legs to make sure I feel like things are feeling good. If there's something that's a little snug or if I feel a little out of place, there's, there's people... Um, you know, available to us to, to fix those things. And so we want to make sure things are feeling good, but, but yeah, it's not about working out. I think, you know, less is more. And if you're, you know, I, I think a good rule of thumb for once you get into taper week is if you're considering doing plan A or plan B for your run or your workout or whatever, um, do whichever one is less. And I think, because often, you know, we're in this mindset, we've just been training for a marathon and you've been doing, you know, it's been, it's been more and more and more and more. And now all of a sudden we're tapering and the races and, and to combat or it, like to boot, the race is coming up. So we're actually now a little bit more urgent, you know, we want to do everything we can to get ready for it. But, 
but less is more at this point, and so so less less you can do. I think everyone has those doubts that come in in the last couple of days. Absolutely. Did I, did I do enough? Should I cram? Is five more minutes on my run yesterday going to make a difference? And the answer is no, it's not. Um, when in doubt, do a little bit less. I think that's a great takeaway for everyone in this room. And that's coming from some of the best runners in the race. So take it if you're wondering what you should do tomorrow. Let's talk about New York. Um, Jared, you've raced here a couple times before. Mary, this is your second marathon. What was the attraction to come to this race this year? For me, I love racing here in New York, not just New York, in America. Most of my races have been do, running here in America. And I've done the 10K here, the UAE. I've done the half. So for me, just coming to New York, it's like an honor for me. Everyone wants to run in New York Marathon. So me get me the, getting this chance to come run here, uh, for me, I didn't even have to think about it. I just said yes. Everyone who doesn't want to race in New York, like back at home when I tell people I'm racing in New York, everyone is like, oh, you're going to New York. Everyone, New York is like, it's a big everyone deal. wants to go to New York. So, And I love running here. Like, um, It's a bit challenging. Most people tell me, why oh, are you going to New York? Why don't you choose like a, f a bit faster course? Sometimes it's, it's okay to be challenged a little bit. Do you prefer those types of races where you can just compete against the other athletes versus following a pacer and trying to run a fast time, or depends on where you are in your training? Yeah, it depends on where I am. Like, um, maybe if I'm still learning in the marathon, uh, and so maybe it, I'll get to that point where I want to run a fast race, where I want the pacers like, to push the pace. For now, I think I just prefer to just stay with the group, stay with the women, and not like go in a super fast pace, which I'm not sure, <laughs> maybe I might die or not. So I prefer this race for now. Maybe in future, I would want to go to those races with pacers where I can try to run a bit fast time. Jared, how about for you? You had a big breakout. You've had a few breakouts in your career, but you had a big one in Boston this past spring. You've got the Olympic trials at the end of February. Why New York? Why not sit out a fall marathon so you can be super fresh for February? You know, sometimes sitting out leads you to super fresh, but sometimes it also just, uh, you know, gives you longer to think about one race. And I think by putting something else on my calendar, I maybe alleviated some of that mental burnout. You know, there's a lot of pressure coming into the Olympic year and a lot of pressure on one race in the Olympic trial. And this way, I've been able to focus some of that energy into preparing for New York. And I think that'll be beneficial at the trials. I think another run on, you know, and, and Mary talked about it, it's a, it's a tough course. It's not a time trial, fast, flat, pancake course. And neither is the U.S. Olympic trial. It's going to be in Atlanta on a hilly course. And so this gives me one more chance to, um, to run a marathon, a challenging marathon um, over some hard bridges and, uh, and try to be prepared for that. And, you know, I've had this dream. And, and, you know, making the Olympic team in 2016 was a, an amazing experience, and I, I, I do, I want to make another one, and I want to take my family with me, and I want them to be able to enjoy that. I want, I want my kids to experience that. But it also means something to me, the goal that I've had to finish on the podium in a major marathon. And so to sit out a fall marathon when I'm healthy and fit, and I'm 31, so I'm, you know, I, I think I have a few more years of, of improving, but, um, but I think to sit out a season when I'm healthy and fit and to pass up an opportunity to at least race for that spot on the podium, um, I'm just not willing to do that. Podium spot aside, what would be a successful day for you on Sunday? You know, um, 
I had a breakthrough race in Boston, and training for New York has been as good as the train, every bit as good as the training for Boston, and, and even even better in some aspects. So what I really like to do is, I think it would be successful if I validated that performance in Boston. You know, it was a two-minute personal best. You know, arguably the best race of my life. I, I mean, there's. The, the, the Olympic race in 2016 was, was probably comparable, but I'd like to validate that performance and say, yes, this is, this is where I am and, and I belong, you know, I ran 20 miles with the, with the leaders in Boston and, and um, that was the first time running with the leaders in, Amer you know, the international leaders in a marathon that long. And so I, I want to validate the, that Boston performance. Mary, where does New York fit into the equation for you? Kenya, it's a little bit different. They don't have an Olympic trials like we have here in the U.S. where they choose a team. Are you already thinking about what you want to do in 2020 and how this fits into the equation, or are you just focused solely on New York and having the best race that you can? Yeah, for now I'm just focused on, on New York on Saturday, having the best race I can. But if I have like a super amazing race and maybe I'm in top three, and maybe next year I can cons I can try to go a bit faster on the April marathons because they choose like the team to represent uh, the country. We don't have trials, so right. they just select like this marathon on the fall and another one during uh, April. They choose like the, those athletes who have been doing well. Yeah, but to be honest, that's not like <laughs> my focus for now. My focus for now is like to try and have the best race I can on Sunday. What would be a successful outcome for you on Sunday? Anything. If I improve from what I from my performance on Boston, for me that would be a success. What were some of the biggest learnings that you had from Boston being your first marathon? Well, I learned uh, the marathon is so different from the half or the 10K. You can just say, you know, in the half you can decide, oh, I'm just, maybe I'm not fit, but I'll try to run with the group, who knows. But the marathon, you can do that. You might follow someone and then like, in two, like let's say you're 15K, you're feeling, oh, I might win this race. And then everything changes at 25K. <laughs> so I learned you just have to run your own race, like listen to your body, don't go crazy. Did you and your coach make any adjustments to your training from Boston leading into New York? Um, not much adjustments. Uh, Boston is also hard course. This is a hard course too. But I can say, like, training for me this time hasn't been too hard, like it was for Boston. At least I knew what to expect. I knew how my body would react. For Boston, it was a challenge for me. At one point, I thought, oh, I should just start, I should just forget the marathon and just concentrate on the half, because my body was like, I used to do workouts, fast workouts, and when I was training for marathon, it was different. Those times that I felt like I was jogging during the half, I was dying with them, so I was like, oh, this is too hard. Uh, the 40Ks, long runs, they were hard for me too. But I guess now my body is getting used to it, and so it hasn't been so hard for me this time. And there hasn't been too much adjustment, yeah. Just the speed, uh, like the speed workouts has been a little bit fast than what I was doing for Boston. Jared, how about for yourself? You're much more experienced in the marathon. You've had great success in a number of majors and at the Olympic Games. Have you changed anything about, you and your coach at Eyestone, changed anything about your approach over the years to how you're preparing for events now that you have more experience and you've gotten older and maybe can handle a little bit more training? Yeah, and it, but it's interesting. You think sometimes um, that experience and exposure leads it to more and more, but sometimes 
it also leads to this realization that sometimes less is more. And I think my approach as an early marathoner was um, I had all these key workouts and I needed to hit these workouts. And then I would hit these workouts and have a good marathon. And so on the next cycle, I would say, okay, I got to hit those times or faster on these workouts. And I was very dialed into that, almost so much that I would get into a workout and I just push my, put my head down and I would force it. And, um, and then after, after the last Olympic cycle, I, I suffered in 2017 and 2018 with, with quite a few injuries on and off and, and didn't put together a great marathon in those two years. I think I was just too, too injured. And, um, and then last year in New York, I had a good race after, after an injury kind of put, set me back. And then, you know, just had a few weeks to get ready for it. I remember reading it, like six weeks out from the race, you called David Monty and said, I don't think I'm going to be able to race. I did. In November. And then you come here and you finish, you know, sixth and you're the top American and big performance. Well, and that's what, and David just said, David, who's in, who, who coordinates for the, the elite field, um, said, Jared, we've had a lot of people who have come and run who thought that they weren't fit and they run very well. And I want to encourage you just to come. And he said, even if you only make it halfway, that's all right. And it really, it was, it meant quite a bit to me to know that I had that kind of support, but also it took a lot of pressure off. I was thinking, ah, I'm not super fit. I don't want to come and, um, and, and just not race as well as, as expected to. And he took all that pressure off and just said, just come run. And then I ran well. And, uh, and I thought, you know, thinking back on it after, I, I think I realized that as I'm, as I'm getting older, um, that being healthy is really what the game is about. And so when I went into the Boston Marathon cycle, I focused a lot more on just having good, solid workouts throughout, but not forcing the fitness, kind of letting it come. And, um, and, and so as you look at a big picture, my average is probably better, but I didn't have so many fireworks type workouts. And then I ran really well in Boston. And so it, it has changed, you know, we, we spent some time working on speed this summer. Mary mentioned that she's, she's a little bit faster than when she went into Boston. And that's what, that's, you know, we, that's what I would say is different about this training cycle is that my speed has felt a little bit better than it did going into Boston, but the strength has been every bit as good. And, and it's still been, but it's still been that approach of just come in, in and out every day, get a solid effort in and, um, and try to build this overall fitness as opposed to just one workout. Until you had those validating results, was it hard for you to shift your mindset into that stay healthy first type of mode? Yeah, for sure. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's pressure. You think, well, what if I don't, you know, you go and you run a workout and it's uh, 10 seconds per mile slower than you ran that workout before your last marathon build up before your last good race. And you think, oh, does that mean I'm 10 seconds per mile slower? And, um, and I, I think that's a, you know, it takes a, it takes a, for one, a, a confident mind, but a mature mind to say, Hey, there's been other good things. It's uh, you know, nothing, it's apples to oranges and I feel fit. So I'm just going to go out and race. And it, it does, it takes a, you know, it, it gives, it lends itself to giving you anxiety when you're not hitting things that you're used to. And, uh, and I do think it takes a maturity. Mary shifting gears a little bit. You are you're awesome on social media, on Instagram. You're very good about sharing your story, details about your workouts, things that you're doing outside of running. When did you start going in that direction and is it easy for you to be open like that? Yeah, um, I'd say it's easy to be open like that. I, I love the social media family. They are, they are amazing, they're supportive. Like 
I was uh, that was I was talking to someone like this January when I went to Houston and I had a bad race and they were so supportive on like telling me oh don't worry you you come back strong so it's amazing and being able to connect with people everywhere in the world it's good like now I'm walking in the streets and someone is just saying oh hi Mary it's it's good like when I didn't do like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter no one would even say hi but now I'm walking people are there saying hi so it's amazing to be able to share with people to learn about how not just how us Kenyans live and or or just as athletes, it's able to like connect with everyone, everyone in the world, so it's good. Have you always had an outgoing personality? Yeah, I would say yes, but before I wasn't like too much on social media. Uh, to be honest, in Kenya, there's this, people don't like to share much. Like, right. Like what you're doing. That's why it's really interesting. Yeah, it's, they don't like it, but I just say, I just thought it's good for me yeah. to like connect with people and Instagram has been really nice for me because like I've been able to like contact like that's some sponsors would be able to contact me like Maltin would be able to help to support me Gamin because of my Instagram so it's nice and I'm able to what makes it's most amazing is the way we connect with the people all the like the learning world it's amazing do you ever face criticisms from other Kenyans or peers who think you're sharing too much or being too open? Yes, I do. They think you're showing off, right? Uh, stop posting all this and then maybe you just post your workouts. Oh, my workout has been great. And then you go out and have a bad rest and they start saying, oh, and she was just posting. So it's a bit hard also because so many people, the people who like, they, they believe that you should not say anything until the race, you know, and they don't like appreciated that I'm there posting how my long run went, how my speed work went, so they're just, can you just stop it? It's not okay, it's not good, but, well. Do you think it ever causes you to feel any pressure? No, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't. I think that's where a lot of people get caught up, not even just elite athletes. It's following other people and seeing like what workouts they do or what race results they have, and you almost have this little bit of envy, and it can you know, almost force you to feel bad that you're not like doing those you know, no. types of things. I think it's hard for a lot of people to navigate yeah, that. It's, uh, it's impressive. I think, I think it's hard and sometimes you may follow someone and see their workouts and it's like, oh, she did 40K in it this time. It's crazy. No, it depends on you, right? You know your body. Every, every person is not the same. Some people push in their training, some people don't. So you just have to like, listen to your body, know what's best for you. So I don't get pressure from people like what they post. Yeah, but people always criticize you like, oh, why are you posting all this in Kenya especially? <laughs> Most of the athletes do. One thing that you two share in common is you're both parents. Um, I believe you have an eight-year-old? Nine, nine. Nine-year-old, and you've got four kids. Uh, how, I mean, and you're both professional athletes, you have busy lives, you're training a lot. How do your kids' presences in your life enhance your training and racing and help you to become the best athlete that you can be? Well, first of all, I have a fantastic wife, and um, and she loves uh, she loves to be a mom, and and she uh, she mothers our kids very very well, and uh, and so I don't think it's I don't think it's possible, or it wouldn't be possible in my situation, to compete as well as I do with four kids without the the amazing support she is to me and and the mom she is to them, um, but the, you know, kids give you something, you know, they give you a reason to. Uh, to go out and they give me a reason to go out and do my best. I think that one one 
thing that really motivated me uh, in running was that I wanted to prove to myself that I was resilient. And so I, you know, and I don't know that I would have used that word my whole life, but that's really, you know, I, I wanted to be in charge of me and I wanted to show that I could push myself and that I could be strong and that I could be tough. And, um, but I think, you know, as I've had kids and as I've gotten older, that uh, some of it has changed to me being wanting, you know, I want to, I want to go out and be resilient to liberate others to go do the same. And certainly that's true with my kids. You know, I want them to see that their dad is um, willing to go out and stick with something, even on the hard days, and push through it um, in order to succeed. And it really gives me something to run for, something very, something that's very important to me. Um, you know, even in the middle of the race, you know, if the, the race isn't going bad um, and, and things are falling apart, I can think, well, if, if I can pull it together and do my best, then at the finish line, you know, my kids can know dad gave it their best. And, um, and that's what I want for them in their life. And so it, it does become a motivator. How about for you, Mary? Yeah, I'd say kids motivate us. Like my daughter, actually she wants to be an athlete too. <laughs> she wants to be like mommy. Uh, she really motivates me because sometimes I'm like having a bad race and I'm dying and then I remember, oh, maybe she's watching and I, have, I, I can't drop out. I have to finish because she's, she'll be waiting at home and asking me, mommy, how was the race? And now she knows I'm here and she's waiting on Sunday. She'll be glued to the TV and she told me, mommy, are you gonna win this? So sometimes it's a bit hard because they don't understand. They think you are the best. Like no one can beat mommy. <laughs> but she understands. Sometimes I go home and tell her, you know, mom, I was, you know, baby, I was this. I did this, I did my best, but they always motivate you. Like, I remember I was learning Cardiff, the World Half Marathon Championship. To be honest, I wanted to drop her. I was finished, I was like, oh no, this is it. Allowed 5K, that was just 5K. But then I remember she was watching and I kept going, kept going. And it's amazing because I finished that and I won a medal and she was home. And she always wants me to get a medal. So I get to finish a medals for me and for her. And so I think they motivate us. We want to be the best for them because I also want to give her like the best life. So I try to do my best. I work really hard for her. And it's amazing that she understands like I'm tired because sometimes when I come back from rounds and I'm tired, she just tells me, mom, you can go to sleep. If I want something, she'll bring it to me. So it's really She's nice. pretty understanding. Yeah, yeah. Along those lines, how do your kids help provide perspective? We all have those tough days at the office where the workout didn't go so well or we have a race that's disappointing but then you come home to your family kids especially and it's almost a very quick reminder that oh it really wasn't so bad this is really what it's all about it blows over quick with them in fact there have been some races especially as my kids were younger that I thought they'd probably just assume that I drop out because then we can go back to the hotel swimming pool sooner <laughs> um, and uh, it does, it's, it's relieving and it does take some of the pressure off knowing that I'm gonna get the same kiss from my wife after the race whether I win or drop out and my kids are gonna be excited to spend time with dad whether he wins or loses and, and it is, it's motivating but you still, you know, you, you want to do your best for them and, um, and so, you, I don't know, I guess they give you the best of both worlds. They take away the pressure but then give you all the motivation. 
I would agree with him. Like, um, yes, they want you to go out there and win and have a good race, but still, even if you go out and have a bad workout or a bad race, they're still there, supportive. They don't like, oh, today I'm not talking to you because you didn't win, no, no. They're always there supporting you all the way. With your daughter, Mary, who wants to be just like you, wants to be a professional athlete, she's very young. How do you encourage her to keep it fun and not think too seriously about it at her age? Well, she doesn't even train. I tell her, can you go and run? No, she's not. <laughs> she loves to run. Because she does some running in school, and she has a medal. She won a medal. I don't know, maybe an 800. And she kept it next to my medals. And she's telling everyone, I have a medal just like mommy. But then sometimes I tell her, maybe I'm in the truck, and she's there. So I, I like ask her, are you going to jog with me for an up? No, she doesn't. She's out doing some other stuff. So I won't like get her to running, no. Like it's too early, but maybe if they have like scrubs in school, and which is more fun. It's not like serious training, it's just a bit of fun, like jogging, like some drills, then I would encourage her to do it. One thing I'd love to dig into with both of you is the role of faith in your lives. Um, Jared, you went on a Mormon mission years ago uh, before turning your focus back to running. Mary, I know you're a very faithful person and God holds a big place in your life, but I'd love to just dig into that individually for each of you and how, you know, how that ties in with, you know, your training and racing and along with how your kids help give you perspective, how faith also helps provide perspective for you. Yeah, it, it does make a big difference. And I, you know, I remember, um, a, a moment in college when I considered stopping running because I thought this isn't fun. In fact, it was in the middle of a workout that was coach's favorite workout and it was my least favorite workout. It was 10 by 1000 meters on the grass with 60 seconds rest. And I hated this workout. And I was in the middle of this workout thinking I was engaged to my wife and my future wife. And, uh, and I was studying statistics at BYU and I was loving what I was studying. And I thought, I don't have to run. There's other fun things I can do. I don't have to do this. And kind of thought, I, you know, I think I'm gonna quit. And I talked with coach about it and coach, I was at BYU, which is, which is a, a school sponsored by the church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, and so he's, he shares my same faith and he encouraged me to go pray about it. And so I went home and I prayed about it. And I really felt like I was supposed to be a runner. And I thought about other experiences that I'd had in my life that I felt like had pointed me that direction. And I decided that if God wanted me to be a runner, I was going to be a runner. And the, it took away, you know, it didn't mean that the next time I was doing 10 by 1000 meters on the grass, that it, it was fun. It still wasn't fun. I still don't like that workout, but, but I wasn't running the workout thinking, am I supposed to be a runner or, or should I go do something else? I was running it with the conviction that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And it gave me so much more resolution in what I, in my running. And, um, and there were some things in store for me and, uh, you know, I've had an incredible experience that way, but I really credit the faith-based experience I had to doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing and what I feel I'm supposed to be doing to giving me that drive. Yeah, for me, uh, having a born in a Christian family, my mom is like, she's always in church praying for us. I've 
I have this faith in me, like I believe in God and everything I do, I know it's by the grace of God. Like there's so many people in Kenya who train like me, wake up in the morning, train and maybe they work hard more than me, but I have like this opportunity to come to New York, not, not because maybe I'm the best or I deserve it. So I just believe it's the, by the grace of God. And I have this faith in me that what, whatever happens to me, it's for a greater plan, you know, like God has a great plan for me. It, it doesn't have, mean I have to win, no, you know. It does sometimes victories, there's so many victories, like personal victories. It's, it doesn't mean like you have to go and win New York. You can be even be number 10, but for you that's a personal victory. Like, my, like my mom always says, like being born, my family was like growing up, we, used to, we are not like so aware of. And so my mom would tell me that God chose me like to be the right in my family, to bring a change in my family, because through my running, I've been like able to pay school fees for my brothers, to, to support my mom, to change like the lives of my family. And God always, and mom always says, you know what? I believe God chose you, you know? Like, da like David was chosen from the family of Jesse. And so for me, where I am, I know it's not because I've been working so hard or anything. It's I have this faith and I know it's by the grace of God. That's super inspiring. I thank you both for sharing your perspective on that. Last question before I wrap up. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening in running right now. This weekend, for example, on the American side of things, you've got you know, you and Scott Fobble breaking out at Boston. You had a bunch of guys at Chicago running fast. The trials are going to be super exciting. Um, Chad Bridget Koske run a world record in Chicago. American women are on the rise. I mean, just globally, women are making a huge impact on the sport right now. I'd love to get both of your perspectives as like fans of the sport. What is exciting you about running right now? Yeah, I, I think that thing that makes me the most excited is um, that I, you know, I'm, I'm friends with these, uh, these U.S. runners. I, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of sports in which when you go out to compete, you room with the people you're racing against, right, or competing against. And, and that's often the case in this running world. Um, and so I'm, I'm friends with, especially, you know, I, as I've had more and more international competition, I'm, I'm becoming friends with some of these international runners as well. Um, but certainly true of the of the U.S. guys that I know pretty well, and it's really fun for me to see um, you the the U.S. group of guys getting quicker and quicker relative to what's happening in the world. And we've had guys competing on on world stage, you know, Meb Meb winning races like this, and and um, Ryan Hall running really really well, and Galen Rupp getting medals at the at the Olympics. And um, but as a as a big pack a movement of U.S. guys running well, I feel like we're kind of in the middle of this um, of this right now. And that's really fun for me to see. And I, and I really felt that in the last New York Marathon. I ran right next to Chris Derrick and right by Shadrach Biwat and, and with Abdi and even with Scott Fable at the beginning a little bit. Um, there was a group of us American runners and I, I really didn't feel, you know, there's, there's American prize money at New York. I want to beat every American out there, right? But, but I really felt like we were running as an American group to see how high we could finish in the top 10 together. And we were working together and we were sharing water bottles. And, and, um, and that's, uh, that's been a fun thing to be a part of. It's a renaissance of sort, almost back to 
1970s it and is, 80s it, when American it, marathoners were dominant on that same type of level. It, it, it honestly is. It feels like that. And, and we're a few years from that, but I think we're moving, we're moving that direction. Mary, how about for you? What's exciting right now? Well, it's um, really exciting, especially having to watch Bridget learn that crazy in 2014. For me, it was, uh, I think it's really exciting, especially that weekend. We just saw Ariel learn sub two and Bridget learn, crushing the world record. And also, just like you say, the American women, it's a uh, it's amazing now like you know before people were like oh it's Kenya and Ethiopia so it's a bit interesting that like now like we have women from everywhere fighting for the podium which is more more exciting than it was before when you see someone like Bridget make a big breakthrough like that for herself and smash a world record does that excite you because it makes you think you're capable of more or does it frustrates you that says, oh man, now women are running 214 and it's going to be so much harder to be competitive at the front? Uh, to be honest, I think it's a bit of both. <laughs> You're a bit like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then you think, oh, if she can do it, then it's possible. Anyone can do it. It's not like, you know, there's something you think, oh, this is impossible. But now that she's done it, you feel it's it's possible for you to forces you to change yeah, your mindset. Yeah, you change your mindset. If she's running 214, then obviously she's human, so anyone else can do it. But at the same time, you're like, oh God, this is crazy. Too far. <laughs> so I would say it's a bit of both. We have to. We need some time to like <laughs> adjust to that. Great. Well, thank you so much for both of you for coming on the Morning Shakeout podcast. Thanks to all of you for listening. Let's get a round of applause for Jared and Mary. John, how are we doing on time? Yeah, we can take a few questions. Okay. Do we have any questions from the crowd? All right. I've back. got a mic here. so. He's got a mic. So we talked about uh, the days leading up to the race, and uh, which is a question for both of you, two parts. Um, we talked about the race a bit. Um, tell me about after the race. How long do you take completely off of running? And when you do come back, how long before you do hard work? Um, I'll talk about Boston after the race because that's the only marathon I can talk about. <laughs> for me, after Boston, I was sore for a whole week. It was hard for me to walk the next day, and the stairs were killing me. I've, <laughs> I couldn't take the stairs, so I took like two weeks completely off, and then I started jogging. So I took like a month and two weeks before I like started hard workouts. Yeah, and I think it, it is different the more marathons you've run. Your body gets a little bit more used to the recovery, and, and, it, and it gets a little bit easier with time. But I would say for me, most of the time, it's taking about a week off, totally off. Occasionally, towards the end of that week, like, you know, if, if I feel good after the race, then maybe by Thursday or Friday of this next week, I'll go for 20 minutes really slow. Or I'll get on an exercise bike and just move my legs just to try to to get some blood flow. And then the next week I'll be back to, you know, five miles a day, just just kind of moving my body, trying to feel good again. And then, and then uh, you know, it'll be transitioning into getting my mileage back up after that. The, the Olympic trials race is 17 weeks after this marathon. So 17 weeks from Sunday. And so, uh, so at that point I recover for a couple of weeks. I kind of ease back into it for two weeks. 
I test the waters for a week with a fartlek and a tempo run or something and try to make sure that everything's feeling good and then I'm 12 weeks out from the trials so it's into another training cycle. Thank you Mary and Jared for your insights and perspectives. This question's for Mario. What's your race day uh, expectations <laughs> and what are you hoping to achieve? My race day? Yeah. Um, so I'll be running in the sub-elite field on the opposite side of the barricade from Jared. Uh, for me, this is my first New York City Marathon. It's my 12th marathon. I really want to enjoy it more than anything else. I've been to this race eight or nine times over the years. Last year was the first year that I've ever been out on the course during the race, uh, cheering for my athletes and not in the media center or just at the finish line watching on a big screen TV. I mean, the weather last year was amazing. There were a ton of people out, but the energy was just unlike anything I'd ever experienced at a sporting event before, and I really wanted to be a part of it. So I knew that day that I wanted to run this year, uh, and I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy every step of it. I haven't had the greatest buildup this fall. Um, I ran a PR last fall, and I was really proud of that. Um, I was hoping for bigger things this year, but I'd like to just enjoy it and race hard, race smart, and if I can keep that joy throughout the race, to me, that's a successful day. Hi, guys. Um, you guys touched a little bit on this, um, but if you have had more debilitating injury, how did you rehab both physically and psychologically? Uh, so injury, uh, how do how do we how have we overcome injury or physically and both and mentally as well? Um, so when I ran in Rio uh, in 2016, I was really really fit, but I had a fractured pubic bone when I was running in my pelvis, and so uh, it didn't feel great. But your pelvis is really well supported by a lot of stuff, and so you can kind of run through that for a while and I think that was one of the hard things about this injury is it's, it's something you can kind of run through and train through but it gets worse and worse and worse until you can't and um, that injury led to weaker abdominal muscles different running posture led to other injuries and so that was kind of part of what 2017 and 2018 um, for me I struggled with things that I think I can relate back to that that big injury and you know Injuries can be hard, and, and especially when you've put so much into it and then you feel like, hey, something happened and it was just, you know, it can almost feel out of your control or not fair. Um, and, um, but if you get into that type of a mindset, then it can really be debilitating. And I think the, the way that I've found to best get through injuries, and it probably helps that I have other things going on in life. I have kids and I have a, a I teach a class at, at BYU, and so there's some other things I can funnel my focus into. But um, I think the thing that has helped the most is saying, okay, I'm injured, and I didn't want this, but what can I do right now? And like, and my wife helps me out with this. When, I, you know, when I've had broken bones or things, she said, you know, I don't know what it is about raisins, but she did some research, and raisins are supposed to, I don't know, they have something in them that helps. And so I eat raisins, and it, it's like, a, it probably doesn't do anything, right? Maybe it does a little bit, but mentally, I'm thinking, okay, I'm injured, what can I do? I can eat raisins. And that's, you know, that's one example, but it's other things saying like, okay, so I'm injured, what, what can I do? Can I bike? Okay, then I'm gonna bike. Or if I can't bike, can I swim? You know, I broke my leg in college, I, I was running on a fracture and it broke all the way through and, and my leg broke. And um, I went to the doctor and I said, hey, can you put a waterproof cast on there so that I could swim on it? And you know, it, it kind of seems like it puts the injury ball back in my court where I say, okay, I'm limited, but I can still do something. And so having that proactive mindset 
has made me still, even when I'm injured and not doing what I want, I still feel like I'm in control. Uh, I would say injuries. We all have had injuries, and they're a bit challenging. They're, it's hard, especially maybe if you are like training hard and focusing for a race, and then you get injured. It's kind of frustrating. I remember I was supposed to run uh, Valencia this year, the World Half Championship. And I got injured, no, not this year, last year. I was selected after Houston half, and I got uh, a Ted on Acris program. And it was a bit frustrating because I wanted to, to, do, to go to the world half for the third time. And mentally I was thinking, maybe I can do it. Maybe I should just try and maybe it will go away. But it did go away, so it becomes uh, frustrating. Sometimes it's more tough, not physically, but mentally, because you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what to do, what should I do? I tried so many things. Everyone tells me, oh, can you do this? I tried. Can you do this? I tried. And then I kind of finally decided, no, it's not going to work. So I just better forget the championship and just focus on getting well. And when you like, when the injury gets healed physically, then it's time to heal mentally because you go for a workout and then maybe you're just tired and your mind is telling you, oh, maybe this injury might come back. Stop pushing, stop training hard, stop working out. So it usually takes time to like get it in the head that um, I'm healed. This injury is gone physically, but the mental state is like, you are pushing in speed work and maybe the coach gives me a workout and I think, no, I can't do this because maybe if I do it, I'll, this injury might come back. And so it usually takes more time for me to like heal mentally than physically. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're out of time here. Uh, but thank you so much to Mario, to Mary, and to Jared. Thanks and best of luck to everybody running. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Right, another episode in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. Before we wrap up, I'd like to once again thank the New York Roadrunners Run Center for sponsoring this episode. The Run Center is home to an inclusive running community based in New York City. It's comprised of people with all different fitness levels and running paces. It brings together people from all walks of life in an engaging and supportive environment committed to personal growth. I got to check it out before the show, and it's an awesome space to take advantage of if you're a runner in New York or even if you're just a runner passing through New York. The Run Center offers a variety of group runs fitness classes, education panels, entertainment events, and a lot more, all to help further the NYRR's mission to help and inspire people through the sport of running. Check it out today at nyrr.org slash runcenter. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please share it on your preferred social media platform and encourage your friends and followers to tune in and subscribe to the show. You can also leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to this on. It only takes a minute and it really means a lot to me. A big thank you, as always, to my man John Summerford of BearsRecords.com. He's my audio ninja for this show. He makes every episode sound as good as it does week in and week out. Last thing, if you're digging this podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. It's also called The Morning Shakeout at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. And in it, you'll get my weekly take on what's happening in the world of running, along with a collection of things that I've been thinking about, reading, and listening to that I think you'll enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's it. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of the Morning Shakeout Podcast. <laughs>